Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2. A minute-by-minute podcast covering 1985's Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and 1994's Howling, New Moon, Thank You, Rising. I'm your host, Dan. Welcome. And when you hear the wolf howl two more times... The, the wolf howl two more times. We shall begin. Son of a bitch. There we go. Let's begin. Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, Episode 7. This is a minute-by-minute podcast hosted by me, Dan, your host. <laughs> yeah, and uh, welcome to the uh, the seventh minute of Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and Howling New Moon Rising, 85 and 94, I believe, was uh, respectively on the dates for that. But it's a good werewolf-filled time, although we really haven't had much werewolf stuff happen. We will, we will, calm down. Um... How are y'all, by the way? Hope you hope you're doing okay. Anyway, uh, let's let's begin as we we will throughout the podcast with Howling Two. We're in the middle of those woods after the interment of the um, jeez, I forget the character's first name. Dee Wallace's character from The Howling, and her her brother is that. Do we know it's a brother yet? I think do we? Um, uh, the uh, Red Brown is there, and then we saw I believe Annie McEnroe. Um, uh, who's a reporter, and Christopher Lee was there being strange, and the last minute ended with Christopher Lee walking away from the brother after giving the brother his card. He's an occult investigator, and um, Annie McEnroe's character, Jenny, I think, goes after uh, Christopher Lee to, I guess, to talk to him, but the, the last the last moment of minute six and the first moment of minute seven is Red Brown kind of looking down dejectedly, so... Jenny and Mr. Crosco, Stefan and Red Brown and the um, growling lady in the fishnets and the veil and um, is that, was that Freddie Maine who was that um, well, I'll, I'll look it up for the next it sure looked like him 
uh, standing with the, the growling woman, um, noting that Stefan was there. Uh, what's funny, if she is like a werewolf or something, I, you think there'd be something somewhat problematic about her being in like a cemetery that's supposed to be holy-ish, especially during the daytime. Well, no, I guess not. I guess not with the werewolf. I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's gonna be yeah. You, we, we're gonna learn as we go on this one. So I um I am a big fan of Jenny because um she delivers her lines rather awkwardly. Um, there's a scene when all the all the people have passed by and all the people. It's it, did you notice like all the little kids, all the little boys in like short pants and everyone looked very Teutonic, not tectonic, Teutonic, and everyone looked very like you know I was. You know, in 1985, I mean, you, you saw The Howling. You, you saw Dee Wallace's character in that and, and Stone's character in that. You know, they, do these little, you know, little, little, you know, Sound of Music babies that we see leaving this funeral, do they look like the sort of relatives that they would have? No, they don't. You know, I was 12 or so when this movie came out and I was never, a short pants were a thing at one time, but they weren't a thing in the mid-80s, you know, I, yeah, I wore shorts but I also wore pants and you know what, I think it's funny, what was it after, like um, i trying to remember, I had a long, long stretch in my life where I refused to wear shorts, and I think it was around 4th or 5th grade which would have been right around here. So I wasn't even wearing shorts anymore. I mean, I wear a bathing suit, I wear shorts. But I stopped wearing shorts and just, like, jeans or, or pants because um, Kelly Wunsch pantsed Jimmy Passero when he was in shorts and he was on the jungle gym and he was, like, go, you know, um, the, the bars, you know, and he was going rung by rung across and Kelly ran up and yelled, Pants him! And she whipped his pants down. And I thought it was so embarrassing that um, uh, I, I didn't wear shorts for several years after that. It took me a long time to get back into the shorts. But uh, poor Jimmy, he was a bit wrecked by it. And Kelly, Kelly was sort of, um, I always liked Kelly. Kelly was like, um, was sort of like a Susie Quattro. She had a bit of Susie Quattro <laughs> in her. Um, uh, sort of leather from, uh, from uh, Happy Days. Um but uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, those weird, those weird people leaving the funeral. That just maybe it's someone else's funeral that we're looking at. People leaving from there. Just, just it does. The, the family there doesn't seem to match up with the people we saw in the first movie or Red Brown or this other, this other woman, Jenny. So it's a little weird. It does throw everything a little off kilter, and it, it certainly doesn't look much like the Los Angeles area, especially the, um, the. Um, some of the foliage and and the uh, the huge uh, you know cemetery gate. Um, I'm not sure why at the at the end of it you see Crosco walking outside of the cemetery. And there's all sorts of random graffiti on the wall, and then and then Jenny's still inside the cemetery. And she runs up to the gate you know and asks him, "What do you know about you know the death of Karen? Oh, she's a werewolf, huh? You know. Oh, and there's the moment I you know how do you know my name? Well, I've seen you on the television. Um, so. Uh, and then as with Jenny, what did you say? What did he say? And I mean, it's 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 obviously there's something more going on here with the werewolves than uh, you know everyone. Well, the werewolves know what's going on with the werewolves, and Crisco, Crosco, Christopher Lee knows what's going on. Um, Reb, Reb, yeah, Brett Brown doesn't do much. He's in the very first few seconds, very last few seconds. And like I said, um, Jenny kind of runs awkwardly with her skirt pulled up, so she doesn't. Um, 
I don't know, her skirt wasn't that long, was it? But she has her skirt pulled up so she can run faster than she, some of the lines she delivers to Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee has a bit of a look on his face like, you don't need to yell the lines. I'm right here. But uh, maybe that'll be part of the joy of it. We'll have her delivering lines in strange cadences and volumes and then Red Brown yelling, doing his big scream, whatever we need him to, and then Christopher Lee trying to keep... um, keep an even keel to all of it but yeah so yeah we do see those two suspicious people the man uh the young woman and, and the older man um standing uh watching the people leave and yeah she does growl and um they're presumably there for a purpose and we will presumably find out what that is shortly but there's that i mean howling too like i like i've said before we um by we will hit a certain point in it where there is a whole lot of crazy going on but right at the moment they're warming up you know after the aftermath of the end of part one and this continuing from there we're still warming up we're still in the warm-up sections but we have met annie we have met red brown uh crisco there and the um stefan and the two um and stefan seems to know who they are and they seem to know who he is so um yeah so we'll see what uh we'll see what happens there but that that's all that uh, that happens uh, from here presumably they're going to meet up with with crisco crosco cross country crack crack and bush stefan soon and uh we will get some some hot werewolf action happening here i was like a, a werewolf in fishnets who can argue with that so that that's uh that's uh, i'll stop it there howling to your sister's world but it's seven let us hop on to howling new moon rising and when we last left, um, Ted Smith, Australian, was meeting everyone at the bar. And we were hearing all sorts of jokes. And I think we, we were leaving with something like, um, uh, um, what was it, like, um, you know, um, oh, wasn't it, he, 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 you get hepatitis or, or things like that. You, you know the jokes that were going on. Here, listen to this minute and you'll hear the rest of these wonderful jokes. Pneumonia. Hell, I'd be more worried about small cocks. Well, I'm pretty lucky there. I've already had diphtheria. <laughs> so what brings you to Pioneer Town? Well, a fellow down in Yucca Valley told me there was a job guard here, so I came up. Well, Harriet's the one you're going to have to talk to. Harriet? Yvonne, do you know where Harriet's at? I think she's out back. Well, like a lead balloon there. What do you think it was? A charm on my good looks. Hey, dude, it takes a lot to impress that girl. I mean, a lot. The being that killed that man is none other than our adversary, the devil, in a lycanthropic manifestation. You want to subtitle that for me, Father? The killer is a werewolf. I knew it was going to be a bad day when I got up this morning. You mean to tell me... That we didn't get a full minute of Ted and the gang making bad jokes about their dicks. Man, that stinks. So yeah, at the end of this we do go back to the police officer and the priest talking about the devil and the wolf. I mean, this kind of ties in with what we're, we're seeing in Howling 2, right? I mean, these um, the occult investigator and it seems like... Uh, there's kind of the, the the feeling that maybe you know these werewolves are a little bit more than just like werewolves you know a la say the wolf man like a Lawrence Talbot kind of thing there's something else going on here and so that's the way it ends with the priest who's really 
Who does the priest remind The priest almost looks like a Muppet, I think. is, is what, Have I said that before? The priest kind of reminds me of a giant Muppet. And, uh, and he's all, he's, you know, he's, he's charming because of it. And he's delivering these lines. And the, um, you know, neither the priest nor the, the, the cop are the, are the best, you know, actors in the world. But the, I, li I like the cop. He's, he's kind of having fun. He really is an older gentleman. He's kind of a smaller gentleman. He, um, um, he, he has the feel of, you know, I'm, I'm so close to retirement kind of thing. And he's going to, you know, and he's going to move north. So you can get away from all the heat when he retires. I mean, I, I don't know, but uh, so so yeah, so it ends. So we, um, so we definitely um, here after hearing about the possible giant wolf attacking this this man a few minutes ago. Now we we've got it confirmed by the priest that yes, it is a werewolf that killed that man, and so there must be a werewolf. Well, hopefully, I was going to say there must be a werewolf in this movie. Well, yeah, here's hoping, folks, and just you know, don't don't hold your breath. It's like, it's, you know, Werewolves on Wheels has more werewolves. Um, but then Werewolves on Wheels, which I just uh, watched on the the new uh, the new Blu-ray the other day. Werewolves on Wheels, kind of like Howling New Moon Rising, are, are films that, that sell sell you sell you a, a kind of a bill of goods. You know, Howling New Moon Rising, Howling 7. You know, you think you're going to go and watch to catch a new... Um, Howling story. Now you're probably not going into it like I've said before, thinking that you're going to see someone trying to tie in four, five, and six together because they didn't seem to go anywhere near one another. But he, they, they do try to do that, obviously. Um, but you, you're really kind of when you went to Howling Seven, you would have gone in expecting another werewolf story. If they could have tied it to something else, great. But you didn't expect that. But really, as you'll see, Howling New Moon Rising is more about the first half of this minute. Than the second half of this minute, and just in the same way that Werewolves on Wheels does have a brief scene with werewolves on wheels on on motorcycles, um, but is really just a it's a very weird film. Have you guys, have you all seen it? It's it's one of those films that if you go in expecting Werewolves on Wheels, you will be sorely disappointed. But if you go in and actually watch the film for what it is, and not for its title, it's really quite good. It's um. It's it's strange. It has a scrappy, improvised feel to it, and it has weird moments. It has a really weird moment that actually uh, is a lot like a moment on in Force on Thunder Mountain, um, where where the characters kind of go from one spot to another, and then suddenly they're in a strange space. And I think it's quite a good, it's quite a good biker movie that that's like about a third of the way in. Um, is that right? About a third of the way in. Eh, yeah, it becomes almost like a like a, a devil Satan, <coughs> me, Satan worshiper. <laughs> that becomes almost like a, a Satan worshiper, devil kind of movie, which I guess ties in with this. Maybe, maybe the 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 monks and everything, one and all his friends from Werewolves on Wheels, have something to do with what's going on in Holly New Moon Rising. I don't know. I'm just throwing out these thoughts because I just had the thought here, and they don't really. All the all they do is. Um, you know, they do that thing where one character says something that's a bit flowery, and someone else is like, "Could you dumb it down a shade?" And um, and it gets dumbed down a shade for the very end. And um, but the, the the I do I do like the cop in this. I think he I, I think he's he's got he's got some charm. I don't know who who this guy is, but I think he's got some charm to him. And like I said, working alongside, you know, you know, priest the Muppet or Muppet the priest, um, Father Muppet. Um, 
is uh, <laughs> is an interesting time. Jeez, if I told you guys this before, and I'll, I'll get and then then we'll talk about we'll talk about Ted and Pioneer Town. Um, I told you that I made I'm watching a DVD-R from my laser disc, and I made this recording on December sixteenth, two thousand seven, at approximately nine nineteen p.m. Holy schlamoli! Wow, huh? Where was I in December two thousand? I was. I was not in the house that we're in now. We were in an apartment. We were in a lovely two-story two apartment. 2007, yes, yes, yes. That was, the last, that was the last year we were in that apartment. We moved out in March of 2008. Yep, that was our last Christmas in there. Ah. I'm sorry, I was reminiscent. Reminisc, reminisc, I was full of reminiscence I there anyway let's go back to ted and the gang so we get the rest of that thing with the small cocks and the pneumonia diphtheria all that hilarity and um and they say it and they laugh and it's great and the way it's presented it's it's so weird because it's it's the way they kind of say it you almost think it's gonna it's like um like an Abbott and Costello shtick or something like that, but it's like you know the the it could have pneumonia is being said by like a super hairy biker guy standing behind a bar in front of Halloween decorations, and there's there's nothing about the movie, there's nothing about the setting that says that these guys are a bunch of goofballs who like making, um, who like taking the names of assorted body miseries, and and putting body parts within the name. Um, but there's something about it. I mean, I can't. I would love to see this on the big screen, just to see what some, just to see what the response of someone who hasn't seen this would would do, because it's clearly shtick, and it's clearly shtick that these guys loved. It's clearly something that these guys did, and probably even developed and like maybe sat there for like an hour just making up random names and things like that. And maybe Clive Turner wrote down his favorites and did this little sketch and um, small cocks. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do like when he says diphtheria. That is a Brock, the big guy, at the end of the the bar. You can hear him like laughing, like sounds like for real out loud, which I which I really like. Um, but then the, um, the lady shows up, old, older lady, well, around, around, um, um, Ted's age, um, because the woman behind the counter, Cheryl, uh, she's maybe 30, uh, but this other woman, I'm, I would say maybe closer to 50, maybe a little older than that. And, um, she kind of comes, uh, she, it looks like she's coming to get a drink, like for a customer, but then she, she's actually getting the drink for herself, it looks like. And when Ted kind of gives her a look like, hey. How are you? Um, she she doesn't give him any any look back. Although she when she speaks briefly, she has a bit of an accent too. To find out where Harriet is, they need to find out Harriet. Harriet uh, Harriet does the hiring and firing. So so Ted's in town from down from Yucca to or up from uh, wherever because um, he heard there was a job going on. And I'd like that. I heard there was a job. Not I heard there were jobs. I heard there was a job. I don't know what the job is, but boy. I'm hoping I can do it. Luckily, he will be able to do it. Now, I do kind of wish that the rest of the minute was was them going there, but you do get you do get them finishing their little shtick, 
And then you learn why Ted is there. You know, he has to talk to Harriet. You learn Harriet's in the back. You see that other woman whose name I forget, but we'll come by it again uh, next time, um, who Ted kind of tries to flirt with and she ignores him. And I do like that um, at the, the end of the scene ends with the bartender being like, you got to do a lot to impress that, that, that young lady. A lot. Or whatever it is he says. Like, whoa, hey. <laughs> it was... I, I like that because it's like them going into this this routine is obviously something planned and doesn't feel in any way, shape, or form organic. And just the fact that this woman came over, got a drink, he gave her a look and smiled, and she kind of ignored him and walked away. You've got to do a lot more than that to impress her, okay? Well, yeah, all I did was look <laughs> and smile. I don't... I would hope, you know, I... Um, Oh, Clive's a Clive's a fun-looking guy, and the thing is, I mean, the the funny thing with Clive is that um, with the the beard and the mustache and the long hair and everything suit him. In part five, when he doesn't have the beard and the mustache and such, he's um he's a pretty regular-looking Australian guy, good eye. Um, but anyway, that's as we here. So here's the thing: we're we're howling to. I'm still gearing up to take off to a point where I can I can yammer along. But Howling New Moon Rising, I can talk for about 10 minutes about every single one of these minutes pretty much from here on in, and I am looking forward to doing so. But I will stop right here. This was uh, Howling 2 and 7-2, uh, episode 7. And I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next time, and we'll hear more from uh, the Muppet Priest and... Uh, about uh, werewolves and then we will hear I don't know what exactly we're going to hear we're going to hear something else going on from the gang who are still inside I, I, I still don't understand why Jenny couldn't why is Chris released why is Stefan outside the, the grave the cemetery and she's inside the cemetery she was like right behind him um, and she must know that cemetery well if she knows that she can run along the wall of the interior of the cemetery and come upon a gate where he will be passing by in a moment. Um, eh. Anyway, um, uh, let me play a little bit of this, and we will talk next time. We'll talk minute eight of these two wonderful movies next time. <laughs>